takes two to tango no matter what. Even if one person acted in a way that was not okay, there's still two people in a relationship. So go back to that place where you were friends. You know, what does that look like? How do you communicate? But you really have to leave the past in the past and really come from a place of wanting to hear your partner, have them hear you, create new lines of communication. And only from that place can you start to rebuild trust. Welcome to Spiritually Hungry, episode 73. Yay! I love talking about relationships. Yes, we didn't get to uh, all of the questions, so we'll continue. I think we got to like one and a half. <laughs> the yeah. last episode for those who are joining just now. So I don't think people can see it, but you literally have an empty. Oh, well, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, you. there. <laughs> so many it's notes. All here. Uh, it's all here and there. I'm your muse, I know. You are, exactly. Inspire me. So. I didn't get to the second part of the question you had asked me last week. Let's remind some of your some of our listeners might be joining just well, for this obviously. one. Obviously, so we are answering questions that have come to us in the past months, and that that's why are... continue to send your questions to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. I think he just interrupted me. I'm sorry. That are <laughs> nobody notices. <laughs> <laughs> that are about relationships. So the question that we left off with last week that we didn't get to is how do you get past a fear of settling or a nagging belief that there's always potentially someone better out there? Where does this belief come from and how do we transform it? So I think that it's a mindset. I don't think that people just have a nagging feeling that there's somebody else out there in terms of relationships, but I think often people adopt the mindset that everything is better somewhere else, right? It's like the grass is greener or if I lived in you know, a warmer climate or somewhere there wasn't stress, I wouldn't have any stress. And I think that really, you know, I mean, there might be somebody else out there and you might have this intuitive feeling, but to even be able to get there perhaps is to start with, you know, how do you view the entirety of your life and what is in your power to change in the here and now? Well, I would say that it's interesting. I, I unfortunately have had many experiences where, I'll give you two examples, this goes back a number, quite a number of years. There was a person that I knew, and he was getting married probably a week from the time we had this conversation. And uh, it's crazy. He says to me, "Are you sure there's nobody else?" Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> that, that's one. Wait, I would love to hear your answer. I don't even. I think I was so shocked. This is like thirty years ago. Huh. I, I must have said something like, "You know." Do you, you still know. know them? Yes. Are yes. they still married? They're still married. I don't know if they're happily married. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We could talk about this offline. We will. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, a second, relatively recently, in the past seven or so years, I remember I was talking to somebody who's married with kids, and in the middle of the conversation with his, I would say, argument with his wife, he says to, in a language that she didn't understand, he said, "You know, I can get somebody in a second, somebody prettier." somebody smarter, and I was like, again, taken aback. I know who you're talking about there. Okay. Uh-huh. I think that, that... I think he even gave some examples. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> think so. But the point is that I think it, this is either an overt thought that a lot of men, unhappily married men, which of course we know is the majority, or even unhappily relationship men, maybe women, probably, I, I'm not sure, for whatever reason, I could be wrong, I feel men maybe feel this more than women, but I could be wrong. And I think, my point is, I think it's, it is, and my point is, either it's overt, or 
an, sort of an underlying thought that they have. You know, why do I have to, you know, deal with this? I mean, we even, you know, we we spoke yesterday. That's about interesting. Somebody. You think men feel that more? What do you mean, deal with this? What does that mean? You remember we were talking about somebody yesterday, and their husband, you know, successful, older, and he doesn't want to work on the relationship. And in his mind, well, there's so many, you know, I can have any, I can have any number of women that, or girl, whatever, you know, age he's looking for. And but I think that's specific to his age. He's he's a lot older. I think he's having a late midlife sure, crisis. Sure, sure, sure. But I my, mean, I think maybe, maybe you have a point in that women, I think, are more innately uh, drawn to creating a home and right. caretaking of children and family and nurturing, and therefore they're more invested in creating that stable environment. So the work is kind of more natural to them. But right. the, I don't think that's, I don't think it has to do with, I don't know, I think times are changing so much, I'm yeah, not and sure. Again, for the purpose of the podcast, it doesn't even matter what the percentages are and who's more or less. But I do think, again, it is something that I think we might have spoken about before, the fact that I do think, if you can generalize, which you shouldn't, but if you could, I would say probably women are more open to working on themselves and on the relationship, whereas men, for, you know, other reasons are are not as open, are not as open. Sometimes it takes a either a, a a relationship they really care about or something dramatic to make many men open. Again, of course, there are spiritual men. And uh, but you, you were know. saying kabbalistically, women are naturally more spiritual. Than exactly, women. that's true. Can you expand upon that? <laughs> it's funny this conversation we had over here. No, it's absolutely true. Like I know I, we we but, talked about this literally as we were walking in to record today. And I was like, I think you should speak about this publicly. So, ta-da! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you just grabbed the opportunity. No, I really do think that there is, again, if I was going to choose a spiritual teacher, myself excluded, I would probably lean more towards a woman than a man, because I do think that they have both a level of insight, natural desire to work. Of course, not all women, you know. Uh, but and and uh, And a spiritual, a more natural spiritual affinity than men. Again, these are all generalizations. All to say, all simply to get to the point, which is that that I do think it takes often men more. Of course, it's possible, and of course, we see it all the time to work on themselves, to really grow, and to really work on the relationship. But back to the question, which is the idea that whether well you're dating, and I've, again, this I've heard so many times as well. I know you have. You know, how do I know this is the one? I really, you know, I, there's a lot of reasons why I think this person might be my soulmate, but I haven't met everybody, right? So how can I possibly know out of the, what is there, 8 billion people in the world, 4 billion men, 4 billion women, approximately, how do I know that out of those 4 billion potentials, there aren't, you know, more, or somebody that I would like better? And that's a very, you know, logical question, right? I mean, if, if you, because again, to the point that most people do not properly assess the possibility of a relationship working, we know that, right? And we've spoken about this as well. So if you're thinking about it logically, and you're making a decision, this is going to be the person that I'm choosing for the rest of my life, to create a life with, a partnership, and so on, of course it makes logical sense to ask the question, well, I haven't met 4 billion people yet, so how do I know that after meeting 20, 50, 100, 500, I can make a real assessment, this is the one. Of course there are times where you do feel something really almost otherworldly, in a connection with somebody, but I do. But I want to go to one point for me, which I think is the foundation of everything. Because we believe, we know that that there is a force behind the creation of this world. We call it the Creator. 
some people call it God, but there is a an intelligence, a, a a force that is both behind the creation of this world and that directs our lives. That begins to narrow the possibilities, which means, why did I meet this person? And this is true about every person you meet, whether it's a romantic relationship or not. Well, there's a purpose to it. When you start thinking about your life with the understanding that everything has a purpose, every person you meet, whether it's a positive encounter or a negative encounter, everything that happens to you in your day, from the greatest thing to the most minute detail, is purposeful. That begins to shift your perspective. And again, I think it's, I think it's important for, for our listeners to really ask themselves, which group are they in? Are they in the, everything is, can be coincidental? Well, then... You know, I, I, I'd be worried to make this type of decision. Because if everything's going, it just happens to be that these are the 20 dates that I went on, and this is the one that I'm feeling the most towards, but it could, be, it could have been, you know, any number of billions of other possibilities. But, and I do, most, I, know, I know most of the people listening to this podcast, and I'm sure many, most people in the world, I truly believe, have that intuitive understanding that there is a force behind this world, which basically means that there's a purpose to everything. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that the instead of wishing or dreaming about finding somebody else or is there somebody else why don't you look at the state of your current relationship if you're in one and see you know really assess it can it be better or is it something that really has never made you happy and if you're single right instead of worrying and fretting about you know my god there's so many options in the world is this the right one it's really to get tapped into what you were saying before to really get to know yourself deeply and to have a connection with the creator so that you have that guidance and that internal compass that gives you the clarity to really choose the best person for yourself. Right, and just to, to, to complete that thought, which I think, again, as I said, is, is important as we think about relationships and every day of our lives, if you're really constantly living with the thought, nothing is coincidental, everything that happens in my life has a purpose. So the fact that I met this person and more importantly, the fact that I'm actually feeling something, that is not a coincidence. That's, there's a purpose to it. So, of course, like you said, if it's a stark difference where a person can say, you know, I never really felt very much with this person, whether I'm married or just along, further along on the dating uh, process, then, you know, bail. <laughs> or, or if you're married, ask deeper questions. But I think for many people, that's not the question. The question is, I am feeling something, and it does feel special. But again, four billion people out there, how do I know? I think in that case, you say, well, one second. There is, there is a force that's directing, a very important and powerful force directing me to have met this person. And that feeling that I am feeling towards them is not just my own emotions. It's probably something beyond that as well. And then you can work towards really coming to a conclusion. But I think that framework is, a, is, the, is, the, is the better one to help you get to the right choice. But yeah, my point is also, though, I think that, and, you know, Hollywood is to blame, really. We are raised looking at these fairy tale love stories of what is perfection, right? The romance, the, um, the attraction, the excitement, and that's how it's supposed to be for the entirety of the marriage, which obviously is not realistic. So I think people sometimes look at the state of their current relationship, even if they love the person, if you're so busy comparing it to something that you see as perfect, you're going to find flaws in where you're at. So I think it's really, again, about looking at where you are in your relationship and how can you make it 
that kind of relationship that you envision, right? right? Instead of saying, okay, well, this isn't here, so it must be somewhere out there. Right. And I do think that that thought, which is, and again, we've heard this very often, by the way, sometimes it's true, my life can be so much simpler. You know, we're fighting all the time, this isn't working, and that can be lead to one of two conclusions. One, that we're not meant for each other, or we are meant for each other, and anything that's important takes work, and we better start working on it. And if you don't know which is the right decision, start working on it. And, and, and keep really asking for direction, really asking for direction. What should be the conclusion of this? Where, where should this be leading me towards? Well, this conversation I was having with that, the woman yesterday mentioning, and to your point about, you know, who d- does more in terms of putting work into the relationship, I think for most men, of course, I don't want to generalize, they hear, you know, work as like hard work. It's going to be painful and arduous, and I don't want to put all this time in the relationship when I'm stressed about business and I'm working so hard to keep the camp family afloat or whatever. This is the kinds of things I hear very often where... I think a woman usually understands that the work is just effort, you know, it's constant and continual. So I think that just for, for everybody out there to really think about that, investing in the relationship doesn't mean it's going to be hard and painful work, but it will be constant effort. Right. And I would add two things to that. First, that that work is necessary for you, and we've said this before, whether this is a relationship that will last or not. Because there's, if there's no coincidence... Why am I in a relationship that is challenging me? Only one reason, I need that challenge. Regardless of whether this person is the right partner for me, I need that challenge, I need to grow from it, I need to change from it, and only if I'm willing to go through that process will I actually be able to gain clarity about whether this is somebody I should stay with or somebody I should leave, number one. And number two, nothing important ever gets accomplished without work. I know, you know, that's a scary word you're saying for, for many people, and I agree, but, you know, does anybody ever think, if they're building a business, that it's going to happen without a, a significant investment of, of time and effort? So, so I would say time and effort. I, I would change the word work, sure. because it has a, a different kind of connotation for sure, people. Sure, but, but to the point that nobody ever thinks they're going to build something without investing that time and effort. So... You want to be. You want to have the perfect relation. The perfect is not the right word. You want to have the right relationship. A successful, a successful, a thriving relationship. You have to invest the effort again. Invest the effort where you are now, because you're not there coincidentally. So that you'll have clarity about whether this is one you should leave or stay with, and more importantly, you will grow in the ways that you need to. If this is not the right one, to be ready for the next one. How many times have you counseled a couple where it was clear to you that there's a lot of work to be done on both sides, and one of the partners sometimes. I know two instances I can remember, the, the wife or the woman says, no, I've had enough. And you've told them, no, you're making a mistake. And the mistake is not, you're saying, you should stay married forever, but just that there's more work to be done Finish here. the process with and, this person. And then I know in two instances, years later, after getting the divorce that they wanted, they so regretted that decision and would, were begging to, to have that relationship back. So for so many reasons, even again, if it's not the right relationship for you to stay in, forever. You're not there coincidentally. The work that needs to be done, you need to do it. You need to do it. You need to change from it, whether because this is going to become a thriving relationship, or because this will change you in the ways that will prepare you for your soulmate relationship. So I really like this next question. 
how do you overcome the belief that if your partner saw the full you, if they knew every innermost thought, everything you deem negative in yourself, past or present, they would leave you? It is said a woman's heart is full of secrets. And I'm sure a man's heart, I'm sure a man's heart is also full of secrets. How do our secrets limit our relationship? And how do we get to a place where we feel safe to share all of our secrets? Are there any secrets we should keep to ourselves? It's a lot. I want to hear your insight first. <clears throat> so there's two parts, right? So so, how do we get rid of that thought? And, and second, are there secrets we should keep to ourselves? Well, I think if you're having the thought that your partner won't accept you if they see all of you, right, which is what vulnerability is really about, then I think on some level you haven't accepted yourself, your past choices, or how you feel about yourself currently. The issue here is you can't hide yourself, right? Especially once you're living together or you're married, they literally become your mirror and they see all of those parts anyway. So at that point, it becomes dangerous because you might have acted a certain way and that's who they fell in love with. And now suddenly you're showing all these other aspects of you and it might come as a surprise. So there's no upside in hiding yourself and also fearing that they won't love you. Because I think that if you think about this logically, you'd want to find a partner that sees you, all of your flaws, all of you, and really loves you. Because if not, you're always going to feel like you've tricked the person in some way, and you're going to be hiding things, and you're going to be keeping secrets, and you're going to be creating more secrets. And before you know it, you can't even keep track of what is truth and what is a lie. As you say, I, I'll, I'm not, I won't challenge you. Challenge me away. I think that the first question has to be, what type of relationship do you have? And I think we can well, safely assume... Well, you have to assume, rewind that, though. I mean, this is also... How did you start the relationship? No, right? but my point is, current state of the relationship, I think it's safe to assume that many relationships are not in that open, complete transparency state. I, I, I would say most... I know many other... I, I'm trying to think of any of the relationships that I know about, whether there's complete transparency. I think it's a matter of degrees, but I think that there are many relationships that are really on the other extreme. But my is, point is because it started that way. I think because people are often scared to reveal themselves completely. Because? No, just, just because they think that there's something wrong if I told them, I mean, how many times have we had relationships where one one partner you know, told the other partner about their previous partners? Yes, but that and was, that, and I can tell you about that case. That was seven years after they were no, married, but, and and I am telling you, right, in that honeymoon phase when the person is falling in love with you or not, usually one is so afraid of losing that one that they found that they will hide a lot of things from them, and then eventually it comes out, and then what happens? They feel duped. They feel like they were lied and tricked. To, and and why, right? Why didn't you trust me? Why don't you? Because that person never accepted themselves in the first place. I actually stand completely behind what I said a few minutes ago because honestly, no, but, but, yeah. no why did it bother that person so much? Because he was very surprised and it was seven years into their marriage and it was something that she had hidden or diverted from answering for years. So then when he found out, he had a different opinion of her, which was not right, A. And B, she obviously didn't feel comfortable with all of her choices. But there are certainly many relationships that it can handle in the state that they are currently in, a complete revelation of everything about the individual. It's not just about partners from the past, it's just about their vulnerabilities. So this is my question to you. I'm not saying it's... I right, agree with yeah. you, but exactly. if, in, if in that scenario, right, in the dating phase, 
when they're very serious and they say, okay, I know I'm going to be with this person or I hope to be this person for the rest of my life, they decide to divulge that information then. But the point is this, let's talk about our relationship. We were married for a number of years and we didn't lie to each other in any way, but we certainly weren't in a state where we were revealing the innermost feelings and emotions, the most vulnerable things about each other, right? Yes, but the question is, and this is the, the key here, is if they knew every innermost thought, okay, I understand that part, you need to earn that. Everything you deem negative in yourself, past or present, they would leave you. Think about our relationship. Did we, and again, it wasn't that we were trying to hide anything from each other, we were not as vulnerable and therefore as open about every single thing that we... That's something you have to work towards. Exactly. That, that's, my, that's my point. My point is, I think it's a mistake but the, for a relationship that's not ready for it, for one of the partners or both of them to just spill everything out because they're not ready for it. They're not ready for it. And as a matter of fact, how many times have we seen relationships where where somebody revealed so much that the other partner was like overwhelmed by it? I think we have to honestly assess, and this is the individual in the relationships, where are we at? How many times have we seen somebody reveal something about themselves and because their relationship wasn't as strong as it should be, can be, the other person actually used that information yeah, to harm the problem, and hurt their partner. True, but the problem I have with what you're saying is it doesn't, you know, it, it, it this has to happen in a relationship. One right. second, in order for it to be successful. And in our relationship, we wouldn't have gotten to that stage unless, you know, we had, when, when Josh was born, that kind of changed everything in our perception of relationships and parenting in life, right? It kind of and, forced us, oh, honestly, it kind of forced us into it. Right? Exactly. And I don't think that people have to have that external thing kind of situation happen for them to do that. But I think that when, and I, and, this, and I really stand behind this, when people are dating, to really have that conversation of, of, of so when do you start to be vulnerable? No, no, no. Of course you, all I'm saying is that, and I think you will agree with this. I might. <laughs> <laughs> Many relationships are not in a state where it would be the right thing for both partners just to put everything on the table. I'm not saying that. You agree. I'm saying put, one, you agree. I'm put one thing on the table oh, and start yes. at the so, very beginning so of the agreeing. relationship. We're agreeing, not disagreeing. Mm, maybe. <laughs> I just think that that first, that what I'm saying, this is really necessary to happen in the earliest stages of the relationship, of, even before marriage. Of course, you want to start this process as soon as you can. My point is, it's a process. You, it might take five Wait, that's years. That's all you had to say. That <laughs> Monica, you're right, but it's a process. No, we're shaking hands. Um, but, but, but that's. But I think it's really important again because I do think. Because most people, they, I'm telling you, they they guard it with their lives. Okay, and, and then it's too so. late. We've already been married a year. We've been married five years. Married seven. I can't do it now. And so what happens is you become less and less vulnerable. Let you me ask you a question. More and more in. That relationship that we're taught, that you spoke speaking about, where in seven years into the marriage, one of the partners finally tells the other partner a number of uh, partners they had before. Had, had they told that on the first day of, of their dating? Did I say the first day? No, the first year of their marriage. Was their marriage in the state where it could handle that? Probably not. All I'm saying is that that is that is that I I'm saying two things, which I think we we are we are basically in agreement of. Absolutely opening ourselves up and being vulnerable is something that should start from day one and continue as a process. I do think that it can be detrimental to a relationship if you open too much too soon and you don't do it in a proper process. I think that relationship was fragile from day one. Of course and it was. No, so All I'm are. saying if you take two other people who were more stable and more open and maybe less ego, 
and they started to share bits and pieces early on, bits that would not have been such a shocker seven years in. Exactly. So we're, I think we're saying the same thing. And again, Almost. bits and pieces. <laughs> in a process. I think, again, because I want to be very careful here, because again, I strongly believe that, and I know I can think of a number of relationships that we know about, if they sat down one night and they said, listen, I want to tell you these 30 things about me, the next day they're seeing the divorce lawyers. I mean, of course, you have to, you know, you have to choose well, right, for your partner, for your friends. I, I'm, I, maybe I've just gone too far to the other side. Like very often, you know, I'll say, I really like that person. I'll meet, I'll meet with a student. And you're like, really? Like, because it, it's a person that maybe I don't have anything in common. And I always say to you, the reason I really liked meeting with that student is because they were really open, really vulnerable. And we didn't waste any time with Would you all want to be this. married to them? No, but my point <laughs> is, it's a connection, yes. right? And and even with friendships, the only friends that I really have around me are the ones that that dynamic exists. I'm not interested in wasting time and feeling like I was lied to later and spending years trying to unpack and peel away to really get to know the core of somebody. Doesn't interest me at all. So I think maybe I am way far on the other spectrum at this point in my life. But I'm saying now being on this side, it's the only way to live, really. It's, it's a freedom that you will never know otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so... I just don't want you to discourage our listeners from understanding that this is a really important thing to do early on. Of course, you start small. And if the person responds well, then you offer more and more. If the person doesn't, then they're not worthy of knowing that. I agree with that. But I don't, I think that the way you're kind of explaining it is that it's not a a real importance in relationship. No, not at all. Necessity. And it's the one thing that creates true closeness. If I came across as that, I apologize. You did a little. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is, so I, again, as I said, I think we're saying the same thing. <laughs> I would add, I would add that it's also a process that continues forever, right? I mean, we can we can talk about things that we shared with each other, emotions that we were feeling just last week that we didn't know the week before. Sure. So it's it's a it's 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 a ne- it's necessary. It needs to be well thought out, and it's a process that continues forever. Okay, and then what about the second part of the question? What was the second part? That women and men's hearts are full of secrets. How do our secrets limit our relationships, and how do we get to a place where we feel safe to share all of our secrets? Are there any secrets we should keep to ourselves? So I think we've answered everything except that last question. Are there any secrets we should keep to ourselves? That's a that's a fraught question. I want to hear what your opinion. We've had this conversation every once in a while. I don't like the word secrets. I think that... I think that the most important relationship a person will ever have in their lives is with the creator, but with themselves. It's the longest one they'll ever have. And it's, it's right. So I think that it's okay that there's certain things that you enjoy just for you, or that is something you only experience. But I do feel like if you're in a healthy relationship, you wouldn't really want that to be a secret. You want to share it with your partner because you're so intertwined with them and you love them so much, but it, it can still be yours. But I think you'd be inclined to share it. You know, I'm slightly amb- ambivalent about this one, and I'll, maybe I'll explain it a little bit. That there are—I think I know where you're going to go. go well, there are there are secrets that are nothing to do with the other partner, right? You know, a person can say when they grew up, they're their father abused them, let's say, right? That, that's, a, that's a secret that has no, should have no bearing on their their partner, right? So those secrets, I think you want to strive to get to a place 
we you you can share every bit of your life, even the painful parts, with your partner. That's a real partnership where you mm-hmm. get to a place where, where where I think it's slightly ambivalent. Let's assume you had, you know, it's funny. I was just watching a TV show um, where with this Bob Newhart, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the one show is the one show. That's watch it, together exactly, at all. exactly. Where that question? Okay, so they were dating somebody. When when they after they proposed, they still had not broken up with their first girlfriend, right? And then, of course, they never cheated with them, but they 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 only broke up like a week before the wedding, right? How much pain will it cause their partner? Will it or won't it? It might. Why she only something? broke up the week before the wedding with the yeah. first girlfriend? Yeah, it's a TV show, right? I mean, by the way, I'm sure this happens all the time. Yeah, and I think that's problematic. It's, of course, it's problematic. The question is whether it is or is not problematic. Whether it was a right was not the right choice. The question is. If the revelation of that information will hurt the partner, when in reality, right now where their relationship is, it does not affect the relationship. I'm slightly ambivalent. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Okay, let me ask you another question. Let's say that a husband or a wife cheated. That's a whole... So this is a whole big conversation. I know, it's just interesting. I want to hear your opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a strong opinion. I'm not finished with the question. Yeah, yeah. And... They and it went on for let's say two years, and their own marriage, right, was going through a really rough patch. Now it's better. They realize that it was a mistake and that they'll never do it again. And let's say that's true because you know that's I don't want to go into that. Yeah. People cheat for all kinds of different reasons. Do you think that that's a secret? The it's, person that's she a gave? tough, tough, tough question that I I don't feel I I I can give strong advice one way or the other. Because we know many, you say, fortunately, unfortunately, people are people, people who've cheated and shared, people who cheated and didn't share, people who cheated and continue to cheat. I think that I think that the goal has to be, we want to be completely transparent with each other. Like I was saying all the way in in the, in the previous conversation, is this going to ruin the relationship if I share it? The person shares it today, or will? It not, or if I share it a year from now, I think it the one thing. At in the yeah, I, I think that I think the one thing that is clear is that you want to have the goal of complete transparency about good things and bad things and terrible things. I do think you want to. If do you want to make this relationship or marriage work, is sharing it today going to ruin the possibility of that, or enhance it, and. I don't know that that there's clear guidance that I can give, neither from a spiritual or practical point of view. The only thing I could say is that the goal should be complete transparency. But that might take a day, a week, a month, a year, five years. I don't think that a relationship can be at its maximum unless there is a desire, at least, to get to a place of complete transparency. But I do think that there are times where a revelation at a certain moment can destroy something and cause great pain when when maybe doing it at another time will have right could destroy something that has and yeah, and like I said, the ability such, to to stay to live and grow and be strong. yeah, it's such a difficult you know again, we've been in situations where people asked us this question. And it's just so, first of all, it's very, obviously a very personal decision. Only the individual or the individuals involved can make this decision. But I don't know that it's ever clear one way or the other, neither spiritually or, or, or practically. 
I wonder, I have a feeling our many of our listeners are going to have strong opinions one way or the other. And write to us. I really want to hear yeah. about... Yeah, and by the way, and I can't say it's wrong to have... By the way, everybody, because of their life experiences, I'm sure if somebody had a, a, a parent, a parent cheated who cheated, and, they can have very extreme, maybe certainly right for them, opinions about this. All I can say is that, in all honesty, I, I, I cannot... I don't feel that it's right to say one way is absolutely the right way or the wrong way. The only thing that I can say for sure... Is that you know you want to make sure that the goal, your goal in your in the relationship, is to get to complete transparency. But it might be when you're seventy years old. But but again, I think this is a very personal decision that has to be weighed very, 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 very heavily and carefully. So I think this. But do you have is an opinion? Actually, you didn't share any opinion. You don't about, any of the, uh, are there secrets we should keep to ourselves? No, I said I told you. Well, yeah, no, but I think about I think the yeah. cheating thing. Yeah, the, that's that's yeah. Yeah, okay, I, I do think it depends where the person is at, really at that stage and i think that if it's a relationship that really is beautiful and a person just made a mistake i think that it's okay to wait i think eventually you do want to get to a place where you are fully transparent but there's a lot to consider if there's children in the mix you know there's a lot to consider right right i would like to hear from our listeners this is on this uh, on this topic i just never believe that it's all or nothing black or white so sure. that's why it's not an answer that i can give just you know it, it would be specific to each situation right. True. But I think it leads into the next question we have. Someone asked, how do you repair broken trust? Do you wipe the slate clean? And if so, how many times should you be open to this type of fresh start? When is wiping the slate clean just code for turning a blind eye? So I, I do really like this question, and uh, and I get this a lot, right? And I think that often when people have decided to forgive somebody for whatever, let's say even infidelity, they have accepted it's happened. They want to continue the relationship, but they really haven't forgiven them. So there's a lot of judgment in the conversations. There's resentment. It's always the elephant in the room. And if you decide to actually wipe the slate clean, that means you wipe the slate clean and you go back to being friends again. I think often in relationships, when you get to this place where something has happened that has broken trust and has been really hurtful, they never really go to that place of just starting again. And I say, you know, it takes two to tango no matter what. Even if one person acted in a way that was not okay, there's still two people in a relationship. So go back to that place where you were friends. You know, what does that look like? How does how do you communicate? But you really have to leave the past in the past and really come from a place of wanting to hear your partner, have them hear you, create new lines of communication. And only from that place can you start to rebuild trust. Right. Again, a very difficult question, and one that is often very specific to the situation. I would say that we have seen many relationships where one of the spouses broke the trust through through cheating, and they found a way to forgive, and the relationship thrived. We've also seen situations where that happened, and it deteriorated. And I think that I will go back to what, what I said in the beginning, which is, it's not a coincidence you're with this person. It doesn't mean you should accept anything that's not unacceptable, but it does mean that it's not just the question of, what do I feel in this moment? Especially if I've built a family with this person, if I've built a life with this person. And in all honesty, I, I don't think that I would ever have the, the wherewithal to, you know, listen, you know, be, be able to continue onward if anything like that, experiencing anything like that. But I do know that there are people who 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 certainly are not coincidentally in that situation. And I think that, that that's the spiritual view. 
it's not a coincidence I'm in this situation. Of course, what they did is wrong, but why am I in this process? And the reason why I'm in this process is certainly to grow and to change, and maybe, maybe to forgive. So I think when you start off with that view, not a coincidence, it's not just, I'm not just the victim here, there's a purpose for me to be in this relationship, and in this process, and it might be that at the end I say, the purpose is for me to learn, experience that pain, and say, this is, this is not going to work, or it's possible that I'm in this relationship to say, okay, I, I'm going through this pain, we're both going to grow from this, and it can work. Yeah, and I think that you really have to, again, leave it in the past and not, you know, thinking about it over and over again, having it play out over and over again, or being jealous, imagining there's another person. It really requires you looking way into your future and asking yourself, what do you want it to look like? Right. What do you want your life to be like? Because there's no point in continuing in a relationship when you really can't fully be there and trust completely. And, and it might take time. And heal. It will take time. There needs to be a process of reparation, for yeah. sure. And I would say, again, I would say we certainly have seen couples going through this process and winding up over time with a lot of work, a thriving and happy couple. So we have time for one more question. Yay! <laughs> Jealousy is one of those topics people are afraid to touch. People are afraid to admit when they're jealous because there's shame attached to jealousy. So the people who seem to experience chronic jealousy in relationships, no matter how much love or trust their partner gives them, the jealousy is still there. Why and what is the root of it? So it's interesting. There's actually a, a section in the Zohar that always perplexed me when I when I read it, because I think by nature I'm not I'm not a jealous person. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I don't think you are. I'm yeah. trying to think about it first. But the Zohar says that there cannot be love without a little bit of jealousy, and I think what that basically means. By the way, do you think that jealousy is connected to how much a person trusts? The other obviously there's elements to that right there are people i think there are people who will naturally be more jealous than others um and that can come from insecure can come from many 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 different reasons um so nature is a big element here but it can also be you know from indications of lack of trust or at least indications that that, that awaken a lack of trust but so the zora says that right so that, what does that mean that if there's no jealousy there's no love obviously you know, unfortunately, we've also seen relations where people don't almost don't even care. And if you appreciate something, and you know that it is something that you desperately need, then of course you're jealous. Not in the sense that you're gonna, you know, yell if they talk to somebody, but you're pr- very protective. So for me, jealousy is 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 just a higher level of protectiveness around a gift that you believe is both right for you and necessary desperately necessary for you mm, not and always therefore, sometimes people are jealous because they're just deeply insecure of course of course but i'm talking about i'm talking about what i believe the czar is the deeper to. level the, and the i guess jealousy, jealousy would be a different it would be a deep desire right but we, we, there's that phrase people use right to jealously protect something right and i think that's that is important and it goes to everything we've spoken about in this podcast and in previous podcasts where we spoke about relationships if you look at your relationship as one, as, you know, oh, okay, take it or leave it, or, you know, it's a nice thing to have, or I'm so happy I have it, rather than I desperately need this, right? If you desperately need it, then you jealously protect it. What does that mean? That means you don't allow cracks to form. It means that you do invest the effort and time to correct and to grow and to make sure that it continues to thrive. So I think that element of jealousy, and by the way, 
it might also include saying, you know, I'm uncomfortable that you're whatever, doing this or that, even if, you know, not any negative intentions, but this is so important to me. I so desperately need this relationship, not only to be, but to grow and to thrive. I think all of that is within the realm of positive jealousy. Of course, we have seen, and of course there can be in the world, a tremendous amount of negative jealousy. So what I would say is, and not just in relationships, but really course, coveting what other people of have. Course. But but even 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 in some ways trying to overly protect what we have. But I think again, just to, to the point that I think that that being protectively jealous is it is an effect or should be an effect, a manifestation of our appreciation for our relationship, our understanding of the desperate need that we have for this relationship, again, not only to exist but to thrive in all those ways, and if it's coming from that place, I think it actually is very positive. And the way to know is, is it pushing me to share more, to invest more, to be very protective of this relationship and making sure that it's growing? Not just like, you know, how to, not just, oh, I have it, but what am I doing to make it grow? Not like it's a possession or that you own it, but how you it's nurture it. It's a gift it. that I want need to nurture. Right. Exactly. So let me just touch on the negative for a second. Sure. This is from my book, Rethink Love. Again, if you have not yet... <laughs> But rethink love, stop or bought it for all of your friends and family, especially during the season. Pause the podcast, go to Amazon.com and order your 10 copies for your friends and family of Rethink Love by Monica Berg. The most it's interesting. I'll share it if you don't mind. I hear you have here, I'm interrupting you, but I think it's worthwhile. Uh somebody who's getting married soon texted me, he said, you know, can you recommend any spiritual books about relationships? I said that in truth, and I really unfortunately I, again I ask all of our listeners if you do know of amazing uh books. Certainly the best one that I know is Rethink Love. So I'm not just promoting it because I love you and you're my wife, but I do think that it is the most powerful relationship book for people. Pre-relationships, in relationships, and in certainly in relationships that are experiencing difficulties, let's say. Thanks. Sorry for interrupting. So, okay, this is what I had written. Um, I work out with a woman who is a self-described jealous person. After being single for a while, she entered into a relationship. She was often enraged with her boyfriend because she was convinced he was going to leave her. Although he wasn't flirting with other women and showed no desire to end the relationship, the only thing that could drive them apart, he told her, was her jealousy. So I gave her an exercise. And I want all of our listeners to pause and think, are there, are there areas in your life or people that you feel jealousy towards? The first step was to bring awareness to the emotion. Every time she felt jealous, I asked her to observe the emotion instead of reacting to it to get to the root of the cause. Eventually, she realized that her jealousy developed because she believed she wasn't good enough for him. Now she had figured that out, she realized she could direct her focus towards herself and away from her boyfriend. When painful emotions arise like anger and jealousy, we have the option to keep them to ourselves or to communicate what we're feeling. With our partners, the latter approach can be very effective. Reacting looks like this. I know you're flirting with other women, so you might as well just leave me now. Get out. People do that. I'm sure they do. Communicating looks like this. At this moment, I'm feeling jealous because when you say, do, behave in this way, it makes me feel insecure. Communicating through emotion supports connection. Reacting drives disconnection. I asked my friend to make a list of the things she does to make her feel good about herself. Then I asked her to identify what emotions lie behind those things. She came up with words like empowered, creative, and strong. Behind her good feelings lie qualities that are a fundamental part of who she is. Those qualities are not going to change, although sometimes she may lose sight of them. 
I asked her to think about this list whenever her self-esteem felt a little shaky. Observing our emotions closely is imperative if we're going to understand how they affect our lives and those people we love. Beautiful. There's literally nothing that I can add to that. Wow. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> so, um, it's not, I think it's not a coincidence, these past two ep- uh, episodes of the podcast have been about relationships, because it's probably the most important, amongst the more important areas of our lives that we should focus on. So I do recommend, by the way, for our listeners, certainly if you're in a relationship, listen to this podcast with your partner, and maybe talk even be- between the two of you about the issues that we spoke here. Because the one thing that is always true about relationships is that you ha- you need to be talking about them, you need to be investing in them, because even, we'll talk about our relationship as it is today, and very happy with where it is, we know that where it needs to be tomorrow, where it can be tomorrow, is something even more powerful, something even more fulfilling, and you have to be driving and striving for that all the time. Like I always say, the relationships that work are the ones you work on. Beautiful. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording and personally listening to it as well. And please continue to send all of your questions, comments, stories to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. Make sure to support this podcast by sharing it with all your friends and family, posting on your social media, going to Apple Podcasts, writing five-star reviews, and again, sharing it, sharing it with as many people as you can, because I know that it inspires so many of our listeners, and we just hope that it continues spreading to more and more people, and in this regard, elevating all of our relationships to higher and higher levels. And most importantly, stay spiritually hungry. Bye.